Hi, everyone. You're listening to Making Account, a podcast that explores everyday financial topics to debunk common money myths. We're your hosts, Christina. And Will. Whether you're just establishing yourself financially, working to break that paycheck to paycheck cycle, or wanting to optimize your savings, we've been there. And done that, and still have more to learn. So join us as we interview local financial experts, answer your burning questions, and share our own money experiences on Making Making It Count. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Making It Count. We're very excited for today's episode because it deals with an issue that a lot of young people overlook, and it can have a huge impact on their lives retirement and investing strategies for people under 40. I'm so excited about this, Will, because I technically am still under 40. (laughs) In this episode, we will ask your burning retirement questions and investment questions and get the answers from our two guests, Rob and John from CUNA Brokerage Services. It's very exciting. Then we'll get their expert opinion on a recent Fidelity Investments report that found the majority of millennials are using Roth accounts to increase their retirement savings. And we'll wrap it up with our favorite segment called What What Did Did We We Learn Learn Today? And how our listeners can learn more and take action. That's a lot. So let's get to it, Will. So here is the big question for this episode. Is it ever too early to start saving and investing for retirement? I'm going to I'm going to take a wild stab at this. But I'm going to say Took no. A crazy, <laughs> crazy wild answer there. I think it's never too early. I don't what growing up, I am I say this to everyone. I have young kids on my young kids. I have young um, adults on my team. And I always tell them, as soon as you start your job out of college, you start with that 401k that your employer is giving you. So I don't think I mean, we'll find out the true answer, but I don't think there is. I don't think there is either. I feel very fortunate that uh, the first what I call big boy job that I got, they <laughs> offered um, a 401k contribution. And I just jumped into it because it was called a 401k. It sounded fancy. And I knew that I probably needed to do it. But honestly, I really had no idea what I was doing. No. And I just said, sure, that'll be the standard deduction. <laughs> Sounds good. And then you Sounds know, a few great. years into it, I realized, oh, OK, this is really adding up. Yeah. So let's see what the experts are actually going to say, because, you know, you and I are not the experts here, but we have some really smart friends that we bring on to our awesome podcast to actually learn what this is about. So we're really excited about today's guest because they have a lot of great tips about saving for retirement when you're under 40. They both come to us from CUNA Brokerage Services. Here are Rob Mazur and John Stanton. Thank hey guys. you, guys. Hey. 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 Everybody Thanks doing? for having us. Thank you so much for coming today. So first of all, Tell us a little bit about CUNA Brokerage Services. What do you do? Well, CUNA Brokerage Services is a free, no obligation service we offer to all the membership here at Edition Financial. Um, I've been with the organization now for a little over four years. Uh, Rob joined almost what? Two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Um, So primarily what we do is we get to educate people every day. Um, There is no obligation, like I said before. Uh, We don't sell things. We educate and service. That's awesome. Well, let's just jump right into the questions. Because we have a lot of questions. We Will and I are both under 40. Will is much younger than me. She but... likes to brag about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so... But we really have no, a lot I'm of burning questions. Oh, 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 thanks. <laughs> I'm Not to still... burst your bubble. <laughs> All right. So I have a lot of questions. I'm sure Will has a lot of questions. So we're just going to get started. Um, 
So when do you start planning for retirement? You both were right. Yeah. yeah. This was awesome, High man. five. Woo. Woo. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so what no. does that mean? What, how do we do it? Well, if you're working, obviously, if your company offers you a 401k, great. If they don't, then you sort of go out and do your own thing. Um, that's where IRAs come into play. Um, there's two different types, obviously, traditional and Roth. Okay. I, I don't know about you, but that's alphabet soup to me. Well, do you know what a Roth is or an IRA? I have a vague idea, actually, <laughs> but I'm not 100% sure. All right. So educate us. What's the difference? What are they? Why should we invest in them? So basically, when you, when you kind of look at it, it's pretty simple. Uh, it's a traditional IRA. You get a tax deduction when the money goes in. It grows tax deferred while it sits inside the account. And when money comes out to be spent, it gets taxed at that point in time. The Roth, however, you get no tax deduction up front, grows tax deferred. But when the money comes out, when it's to be spent, it comes out tax free. So both what you put in and the growth come out tax free at that point in time. So how do we know which one to choose? Yeah. Well, honestly, it, it, it really works out for most uh, of those under 40. The Roth is, tends to be the best option uh, because if you think about it right now, traditionally speaking, uh, uh, your, <laughs> your, your, your tax rates tend to be lower at this point in time so that you don't get as much value from the tax deduction. However, in retirement, you're going to assume that your tax rate is probably going to be higher at that point. So oh. saying that you're probably going to make more money right. later in life when you hit that. I don't know. I can't remember. Right. Didn't they say the peak is like around 40, 50? Yeah. It's it, kind of I mean, like when you hit the peak. Peak, peak earning years are typically in that uh, that late 40s to mid 50s. Oh, you haven't hit your peak yet, Christina. I haven't. I haven't hit my peak yet. Apparently, I'm supposed <laughs> to be coming into mine now, which uh, that hasn't <laughs> happened either. <laughs> Has it happened? <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> so then what do you think is uh, the biggest mistake that people under 40 are making when they're investing for retirement? I think they're putting it off. Um, I know when I was younger and I first started out, I, I, I was self-employed. I made really good money. And I just thought, oh, this is going to be great forever. And I'm good. I have plenty of time to save. Um, when I got into this field back when I was 34 years old, I think that's where the curtain sort of got ripped back. And I'm like, oh, I see the Wizard of Oz and it's not a wizard. It's a man. Um, and it's one of those things I think in reality, you, you sort of don't focus on things until you sort of have those things taught to you. My parents didn't do a great job at saving. They sort of just my dad made plenty of money, but just was always the same thing. Just spend, 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 have fun. It's all good. In the end, you really want to have fun in retirement. You don't want to work your whole life. So. I sound a lot like your dad. In that uh oh, um, <laughs> oh I am, no. I am um, not the saver. <laughs> but that being said, you I mean, the, the more the most you can put away, the better. I mean, it's not it doesn't even really tie in just to, to IRAs or 401ks or 403Bs, things like that. You can even put money in savings yourself and invest that um, and, and use that as capital gains for long-term growth as well. So there's just a, so many different ways that you could start putting money away. The first, obviously, would be Having enough in savings to cover emergencies. Once that's covered from there, however you want to invest going forward, the, the, the more you can afford, the better. And so from a professional standpoint, what is the recommended amount that you should have in your um, emergency savings? Uh, in your emergency savings, you want to look at having about five months worth of expenses. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, typically in the financial planning world, we talk anywhere between three and six. Most people can remember five. So uh, if you, you kind of take what your, what your monthly need is and multiply that times five, that's a good amount to have liquid before you really you know, start to do other types of investing. Now, you get into it a little bit differently when you're talking about a 401k uh, because there's a match involved. Uh, and so you really want to try to do everything you can to take advantage of that. You know, if your employer offers a match, that's like that's a free return on your money. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, if you're putting in a dollar, your employer is matching you a dollar, you've already guaranteed yourself a 100% rate of return right there. 
That was one thing my dad told me. My dad, unlike your parental units, John, my dad was immediately, when you get a big girl job, you are immediately mm-hmm. investing as much, at least what the employer matches. Right. Now, I started employment right before the bubble hit, like right before the, like right before that. So it hit and then all my employer, my husband's employer took that match away. Mm-hmm. So we at least got to match for a little bit there. But yeah, I think that's great advice. Just free money, right? It's, it is free money. I mean, and it's, it's like I said, if you think about it in return on investment, that's an easy way to get a return on your investment at that point. Yeah, that's definitely the minimum. I mean, if they had matched five and they're only going to give you five, if you put five in yourself, you need to put five in to get that free money. Yeah. And, and when you talk before, Will, about you know, kind of the rule of thumb, you know, it's again, in the, in the planning world, if you can get 10% of your income into something on an annual basis, however you get there, whether it's you put in five, your employer puts in five, that sets you up for a very successful path, you know, going forward. Um, you know, I remember whenever I first started in this way back 26, seven years ago. Um, Again, haven't hit when, your peak yet. Haven't hit your peak. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I keep telling myself. Uh, but uh, back when IRA contribution limits were, you know, $2,000, um, there was actually a study that came out, and it's just math, but, you know, if you were a 21-year-old 20, uh, and you had started and you put, a $2,000 contribution in for 10 years and then stopped, uh, you would have about one point, depending on your rate of return, about $1.2 million. If you had then started at 31 and contributed to that same IRA until age 65, so contributed for 34 years, you had about $800,000. Wow. Wow. So yeah, that's, you look at it in terms of, you know, when do you want to start this thing as soon as possible? Wow, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. So how do you okay, so we're we're investment we're investing at some point. What is a good way to see if what's a good rule of thumb to make sure you're investing enough? You know, that's the million dollar question. Um, I guess part of it has to come into what you think your your lifestyle is gonna be in retirement. Hopefully it does have to add up to a million dollars <laughs> yeah. in that question, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, the the most you could do the better. I mean, because if, if you overdo it. I don't think you're gonna be too upset at yourself in the end, right? Yeah. Your legacy won't be too upset either. Um, Man, this retirement is just way too good. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> too many trips. But you know, it really comes down to it. I guess at least starting with the match. If you're working, if you're not working, then definitely the max contribution you can make to the IRAs, um, which at this point under fifty would be six thousand dollars. Over fifty, seven seven thousand. And how how do what's what, tell us the difference between an IRA and a four hundred one k and how they earn interest? Because there's a difference there, isn't there? Yeah. There's well it. Technically, they're 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 very alike in terms of usually you you have mutual fund type of investments inside of their mutual fund or exchange traded funds or something like that. Um, it, the difference really comes into the contribution limits. Yeah, you know, whereas John just said, you know, if you're under age fifty, you can put the max you can put into an IRA is six thousand dollars, and that's six thousand dollars across all types. In other you can't do six thousand a traditional and six thousand a Roth. It's six thousand total per year. Per year. Uh, you know, if you're going into a 401k, your max contribution limit there is under 50, is at $19,500. So you can get significantly more into your 401k than you can into an IRA. Um, the other nice thing about doing 401k is that's an employer sponsored plan. So it comes out of your paycheck. Um, so it's money that you never see. I mean, I don't know if you're like me, but I know I have best of intentions on things where my and then my kids have other intentions on things. <laughs> and so whenever I'm like, oh, yeah, I can take this money and, and save it. Sometimes there's a little bit of a disconnect there. We'll call it that. We talked about that during the last episode. I was we just did. saying, like, if I see that money, that yeah. paycheck hits, that money's mine. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. That's why I have to I've, I've set my savings deduction out of my paycheck. Good for 
you. Well, I was already done last episode, but, oh. but apparently now I'm getting congratulated. <laughs> Just <laughs> What's take it. something when, if you have younger people that come to you, what are they most surprised about when they're learning about retirement? I think the most surprise that I see or the, the, the question that comes up the most, obviously, is always how much do I need or what do I need to put away? Um, when I when we explain what Rob just told in the story with, you know, putting that $2,000 away in an IRA for 10 years from age 21 to, to 31, leaving it alone until you're 65, what it can be, the answers I usually get for that is, oh, it's 100000 or it's 150000 They don't realize a million dollars. I mean, that that's something that gets somebody's attention. Even more so back in the day. Today, shoot, a million dollars isn't that much. Yeah. Um, you know, I think what it really comes down to is like Michael said, he's he's getting focused on what his goal is. And he set that plan for himself and he's staying to it. It's like anything. It's just like, you know, we talk about, you know, coming up with our New Year's resolutions. Um, saving should be something that's probably even easier than losing weight or changing a style or something like that. That might be some, a good thing to jump on. Yeah. Like Susan said in the last episode, pay yourself first. Yep. Yeah. 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 And I think one of the big surprises that, that I have, too, is you know, kind of the impact of that compound interest. You know, Ben Franklin, the eighth wonder of the world, compound interest kind of thing. Uh, and you look at it and you deal with that whenever somebody's changing jobs and they have a, an old 401k and they're like, oh, I could take that and do something with it. And it's, you know, when you really kind of think about the magnitude of what that means down the road. Uh, you know, for example, if you've got somebody that's got, you know, say $20,000 and they want to take it out of their retirement account um, because they want to go buy a car or something like that right now, um, you know, if that money would grow at 7% over the next, say, you know, 20 years. You know, that could be potentially a $200,000 vehicle that they basically just bought because they're foregoing all that money that they could have made on that during that period of time. So you know, that when you kind of throw those numbers out, it gets a little sobering and people are like, whoa, OK, I didn't realize that that's, you know, it's just, quote unquote, just $20,000 right now. But it can be a lot of money down the road. Something we've talked about before is with the younger generation, that millennial generation, which is really what we're talking about right now, they job hop a lot. Yeah. And that is a, true for me. I don't know so much true for Will, but I started a job. I was there for two years. Then I, I invested immediately. And then I got another job and I was there for two years. I invested immediately. But it was two different 401k accounts. So all of a sudden I keep getting these statements saying you've got $5,000. And it's like, well, what? I, from like five years ago from a job I don't even have anymore. So what do we do with those with those like random 401ks that could be floating around? Multiple options. I mean, obviously, if the company that you left allows you to leave it there, you can leave it there. Uh, sometimes that's a choice. If you've been happy with service or happy with returns, then that's not a bad plan. Um, if you're more so looking for convenience to have everything in one place where you're not just scattered all over the place, um, you could do a direct rollover, which would avoid taxable consequences. Uh, put the money into a traditional IRA and then invest how you feel comfortable. Um, that's sort of what Rob and I do. We sort of tailor plans based off what your needs are at the time and your goals going in the future. And, and a lot of people tend to do that, like John said, for the administrative simplicity, instead of having you know, three and four different accounts that are out there, um, they might all be invested exactly the same way. So all you've done is just make your life more difficult. You haven't gotten any diversification out of the whole thing there whatsoever. Uh, you know, and then you also think about the options that are available to you, uh, you know, within a 401k lineup, you know, the, uh, the most effective ones have about 20 to 25 options. Well, there's thousands of different things that you can do inside of an IRA account. So you can be a lot more customized to your own individual situation at that point in time. Yeah, definitely less of a cookie cutter approach when you go to an IRA. Interesting. So what are some 
um, mistakes that you have made or you've seen your clients make when it comes to retirement savings um, that you wish they would have known up front or that you would have known up front? Oh, I don't make mistakes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> same, same. Again, yeah, reference right, right, kids in right, that right. whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah never make mistakes. Never. Yeah. I'd, I'd have to say I didn't start early enough. That was yeah. my biggest regret. Um, you know, it's one of the things you look back on, especially being in the field that we're in now and realizing the value. I wish that my older self or even somebody else had taken me by the hand and said, hey, start now. I mean, because when I was, I've been working since I was seven years old, my paper route. From there, I went to work at the dairy farm from 10 to 13. From there to the apple orchards. I mean, we can go on and on, right? Where I, did I, you grow up? I'm, I'm gonna, New England. New England. Okay. So I was like, Florida. that doesn't sound like know, Florida. Florida. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to stop right there before I get to my age. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that, oh, man, I, I just kick myself in the butt every day. I mean, I'm, I'm good and I've got a really good plan going forward now. But I, I honestly, I could probably be retired right now if I would have you know, started doing what I'm telling everybody else to do every day. Yeah. And, and it's that definitely that learning the difference between a want and a need. Um, yeah, in, in terms of when you look at, you break down your budget and yes, you have to live now. I mean, you don't want to be on the rice and beans, beans and rice diet for like 30 years. I mean, that's, that's not a real fun way to be. Yeah, college is bad enough with that. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that's, that's the ramen diet right yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at the same time, it's being able to really kind of pare it back and you know, having the discipline to save, um, is, is something that it's just not a natural thing for some people. Um, and you know, that's where really kind of the, the, the legislation has, really tended to go that way now more in the 401k side where you have things like negative election, meaning that your employer kind of signs you up for it and you have to go in and undo the election. Mm. Um, it's, it, it, it's just that taking advantage of inertia thing for most people where we're not apt to go in and undo. I mean, think about your bank account. You know, how many subscriptions do you have that you've not, you had good intentions to go in and cancel after it, but then you don't. Mm -hmm. uh, it, so it's that type of approach. And so it, it, trying to do things like that where it's not, a forced savings, but it's really kind of, you learn then, hey, I really didn't miss that, you know, that little bit that they took out to save for the future. Um, and then really learning kind of the value of what that can add up to. All right, we're gonna give you a wrap up question. If like debunk the misconception, I'm paying, we're all paying towards social security. Should we rest on our social security laurels? Should I keep investing in my retirement or, or the government's got me covered? <laughs> well. We can start right there. I think um, there's a lot of chicken littles out there. The sky's always falling, right? Um, the way I look at it, you get up in the morning, your cake's made, you decide what frosting you put on it. So when it comes to Social Security, I'm going to debunk the myth right here. Okay? I like that. that That's like good. That. I'm, That's I'm gonna, good. I'm going to debunk the myth one. of Social Security. Everybody's worried that Social Security is going away by 2030. It's going to be gone if, if things aren't changed. The, the worst case scenario, if, if legislation isn't done to improve Social Security to make it better or stronger, um, you'll lose 25% of your pay. So anybody who's receiving $2,000 right now, by 2031 or so, 2033, they're only going to be receiving $1,500. So it's not, it doesn't become totally insolvent where they don't have access or don't have money. They're just going to lose about 25% if nothing's done. The next step up from there, if nothing's still done, is like 2090. So to give you an idea, I, th I think a lot of people are scared thinking Social Security is not going to be around when I get there. It will be. Um, I'm sure they're going to get some legislation done. If not, there's going to be some a lot of voter turnout to mm. change some things up in Washington, I can tell you that. So, um, but yeah, to rely on Social Security today, the average payment's $1,500 a month. That's the average bills per month for somebody who's retired. So that's a break even. If you want to live a break even life and do nothing extra in retirement, then yeah, depend on Social Security, I guess. That'd be yeah. the, the answer on that. Yeah, I think that the most recent study I saw said that Social Security funds about 40% of somebody's retirement income. So yeah, it while it's, it's one leg of the stool, uh, you know, it's not the only one. Um, and so then you, you start to look at employer plans, you know, really is the kind of the second one, employer plans. And then 
you know, personal savings and things like, you know, IRA accounts uh, and then you know, other you know, types of vehicles from that point forward. But, and this is also what Christina was talking about earlier um, with making that extra mortgage payment yeah. um, mm -hmm. in the year, making that 13th payment, trying to pay her mortgage off sooner. So that in retirement, she's not worrying about a mortgage payment. Which I did, by the way. You did? We both did our, I, I made after we did a, another podcast and my financial goal was to add a 13th payment every year. I had refinanced yeah. my house to 15 year from a 30. So our house will be paid off for our youngest is in college. Like how awesome is that? That's yeah. sorry. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's a lot to think about. Let's go for a quick break and we come back. We're guys get ready because we're going to hit you up with some very quick fire questions. You ready? Okay. Sounds good. Put, put that thinking cap on. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Addition Financial, a member owned not-for-profit financial cooperative. Count them into your financial journey by exploring their educational content, membership, and everything they have to offer at additionfi.com federally insured by NCUA and an equal housing lender. All right, and welcome back to Making It Count. We are here with John and Rob, and we are going to throw some rapid fire questions at them regarding retiring and saving for retirement under 40. So let's kick it off. So our first question is, what's the best way to start saving for retirement if you haven't already? Best way is obviously within your 401k uh, and do payroll deduction. All right, what about how much money should we be putting into the stock market? Uh, you need to sit with us, talk about that first. Um, it really does come down to you as an individual and how you want to invest. I think a lot of people think, you know, they get that information off TV from Kramer or they have a friend or a neighbor saying, oh, this is what you should do. It might not be the right plan for you. So the best thing you could do is sit with a professional. What about IRAs? So what are the maximum contributions for 2020 into an IRA? Maximum contribution is, again, $6,000 under 50. Uh, and then if you're over 50, you can make an additional $1,000 catch-up contribution. So $7,000. How much money do people need to have to retire? It depends how you want to retire. Um, there's some people that are totally happy not doing anything extra and saving all the money for their kids and legacy. Somebody like that, as long as they have enough money to pay their bills monthly, they don't need anything else as long as their health stays good. So for somebody like that, it could be $100,000. Um, for somebody who wants more of a lavish lifestyle in retirement, to, you know, do the traveling. Ding, ding, ding. I know, okay, right? That's me. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I mean, we could, be, we could be talking easily. I mean, Back in the day, the rule of thumb was a million dollars. I think nowadays you're probably closer to two if you want to live that type of lifestyle. And finally, what's the easiest way to diversify your investments? The easiest way is to utilize something like a mutual fund uh, or an exchange traded fund, something like that. And it's going to give you a think about like a cake. You know, Play on John's cake analogy. Back to John's cake. <laughs> yep. We're not frosting it this okay time. Now we're that. now we're slicing it up. So if you think about a mutual fund, it's basically it's a portfolio. So it's like a cake. You've got a little bit of everything in there, and you take a slice of it, and that's your piece of it. Then, so um, instead of going out and buying one individual company, you're getting a piece ownership share in a lot of different things within the mutual fund itself. I like these cake and sugar analogies. By the way, guys, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. I, I know, me too. I did only have like a donut for breakfast, so that's probably why. Only a donut. <laughs> only a donut. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much. You survived our rapid fire question. So thank you so yes, much for that. So this part of the show, we want your participation. We talk about what's currently hot in the news. So a current financial topic that we ripped from the headlines. So a recent Washington Post article discussed the trend of millennials overwhelmingly putting their money into a Roth IRA found through Fidelity Investments reports. That's where they found this. 
For younger investors, a Roth account makes sense because they are likely to be relatively lower tax bracket, like you had said, and tax-free growth for years compounding can far outweigh the benefits of current year tax deductions that you would do in a traditional 401k. Under the new SECURE Act, employers can automatically increase employee contributions to up to 15% of their pay. So this is all stuff that you guys were already talking to us about. We just got that from the Washington Post. Um, Some questions that we would like to ask you guys, like noticing the same trends. Are you noticing that this is about younger, younger people, the younger generation, the millennials? Are you noticing that with all of your clients? Yeah, definitely on that, the, the under 40 uh, you know, segment, uh, they'll come in and say, I need to get a Roth IRA. Don't know what it is, but I need to get one of those. That's me. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and that's great. And that, that's because that's a good place to start right there. Uh, yeah, I mean, on the, the older side, you know, the over 40 crowd that I'm obviously part of, um, there, there is a little bit more curiosity there uh, in terms of, you know, what, what is a Roth? What does that do for me? Um, you know, I do encourage most of my members to you know, have a little bit of both and kind of have that as a goal because then you have options, uh, you know, when you're in retirement the in terms of where, where are you going to pull money from? Um, you know, so it's not a bad thing to have, to have a little bit in, in both sides of the house there as far as that's concerned. So in regards to being under 40, I think uh, speaking for myself as someone under 40, um, what would you say to the people in the younger crowd who might be intimidated by coming to see a financial advisor thinking that maybe they don't have enough to come see or, or, they don't know enough to come see. They might ask the wrong question or it might be pressuring. Probably the best analogy I could use for that one is if you were feeling sick, you didn't do anything about it. And they said, oh, it's only the flu. It'll go away. Flu doesn't go away. Now you have walking pneumonia. Now you're in the hospital for a week and antibiotics and all that. It's the same thing. Think about your financial health. To not come in and speak to a professional with no obligation. Um, no one's going to, he's not going to tell you what to do. Really, our job is to really get as much information as, as possible about you, your goals, your timeframes, your risk, what you want to do, how much you're willing to put away, what your assets are out there already. Um, and then we formulate a strategy to fit those needs. That's pretty much what it is. And again, you don't have to take our strategy either. You could say, ah, oh, that guy's crazy. He's too old. He doesn't understand my needs and walk Talked away. about but, cake a lot. I know, right? <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's one of those things I tell my kids all the time. If, you know, when you're in class at college and you don't want to look stupid in front of all your peers asking that one question that you think oh, I should know, but I don't, if you don't clarify it for yourself and someone else doesn't, I guarantee you there's probably five or six other people in that room that the same exact question would thank you after class saying, thank you so much for asking that question because I was afraid to ask it myself. It's just asking that question, help. I need help. It, it, worst thing anybody could ever say is no. Um, and again, the only way you're going to get to the yeses or getting where you want to go is to, to get some of those no's. So. By all means, we're, we're always here to help. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, how, um, you know, for us, it's a no obligation service. And again, we, we cherish our membership, our, our membership. We cherish our partnership with Addition Financial. So. How, when should someone visit you? Like I have a couple of early 20s uh, team members on my team. Like when, when is a good time to have that conversation with a professional? Uh, it, it, what we typically tend to see is whenever there's, there's money in motion events. And what I mean by that is you, know, you change jobs, you, you get a, a raise, you ha- get married, you have a kid, uh, somebody dies and you know, leaves money to you or anything along that line. That, that tends to be when we tend to see people coming to come in, in uh, you know, to sit down and, and see us. You know, that, those tend to be the things that you know, clarify it back in. It's like, oh, yeah, I really do need to do something about that. I mean, it's, it's important. 
but it tends not to be something that, you know, it's not the, the top fire that you have to put out on your list on, in terms of your daily to-do list. I mean, we understand that. Um, so it's, it does tend to be those, those kind of those in motion events whenever your, your inertia of life has gotten, you know, a little altered and you, you tend to then have to you, you get everything else in order at the same time too. And I think a follow-up to that too would be if you have that savings that's saved up to cover those, you know, five months worth of expenses at that point, if you still have money and you're wondering what to do with it, that's a good time to probably sit down and start talking. All right, guys, thank you so much, Rob and John, for coming in today. Yeah, if there's somebody here. listening, how can they get in touch with you? What do they do to, to start this process? A couple of ways. I mean, obviously, we're on the, the website. Uh, if you go under the personal tab, uh, look over to the right hand side. There's a, a, the investments and investment services under there. Um, it's got John and I. Our wonderful pictures are out there so you can see exactly how old we really are. <laughs> Um, pick and, between the two and, and yeah. phone numbers as well too uh so that's yeah that's that's a, that's an easy way to go right there perfect we'll include that in our show notes so anybody that's listening if you want to reach out to john and rob they're super great guys they'll sit with you and educate you on all things investment thank you guys so much for joining us thank thanks you. for having us all right this is our favorite segment oh of the show it's what, what did, did we, we learn today? today all right will what did you learn today from Rob and John? So I think what I learned today is something I kind of already knew, but it's been a reminder today um, that even though I'm saving for retirement, my savings goal back this goes back to our last episode where I said I had I set up my payroll deduction, but my savings goal now is to get five months worth of living expenses into that savings account first. That's a good one. I didn't know that it was I should have five months like that's a lot. That's a big chunk of change. It is. What I learned today is I always was chicken little retire or social security is not going to be a thing when I retire. So it, it, that I was wrong. Myth busted. But still only 40 percent of my income, like my retirement should be social security. So that really is another reason why retiring or planning for retirement is so crucial, crucial and critical. All right. Well, that is it for this episode of Making Account. If you want more in-depth coverage about retirement savings or investment strategies, the experts at Addition Financial created a retirement goal setting guide for our listeners to download from additionfi.com slash financial dash education. We've linked it in our show notes. So go ahead, check it out. I know I will be checking it out to make sure that I am on track. I don't know about you, Will. You think you're going to be... Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Utilizing those free resources. I love that. Yeah, for sure. And that does it for this episode of Making It Count. A big thank you to our guests, Rob Mazur and John Stanton. Remember, it's never too soon to start saving for retirement. And that's a wrap on this episode of Making It Count. Thanks so much for joining us today. And if you like what you heard, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can also subscribe or follow to stay up to date on our latest episodes. In the meantime, send us your questions and share your success stories by emailing us at podcast at And whatever you do, make, make it, it count. count.